This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, One Rental at a Time, and we are back with Anna Kelly. How you doing, Anna? I'm doing great today, Michael, coming to you from the beach. Woohoo! An Airbnb, or it, it wasn't Airbnb, right? It was second home that I Airbnb'd. So it's it's the first Airbnb type of property that I bought for my enjoyment and rental income. And I'm currently selling it and rolling it into another property, which we talked about on another episode today. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. Hey, what I want to talk about is I did a video yesterday with another Airbnb investor who invades, invests in Lake Havasu. It's a, it's a big lake in, in Arizona. Yeah. And um, I'll just say it. I think Airbnb right now is blowing up a bubble. I believe people are seeing the social media posts and Facebook posts about, hey, I'm making four grand a month extra on my, you know, my house. Uh, people are diving in. People are starting to do deals in Airbnb. Kind of, I'll call it marginal areas. They, they are anytime new investors think a strategy is easy, it freaks me out. And right now, Airbnb is that thing because they're chasing shiny objects. They're chasing dollars. And they're overpaying. They're making some really wise, unwise assumptions. And most importantly, at least as I know Airbnb, they're buying in marginal areas that will be um, impacted when demand slows next year or the year after. So I, I'm just nervous. Yes, I, I will say this. I have multiple Airbnb properties, mm -hmm. um, primarily luxury high-end vacation rentals. And we'll talk about why here in a second. Mm -hmm. And we have some Airbnb units in some of our apartment complexes. So I have experience with, you know, small town mm -hmm. Airbnbs, um, small two-bedroom places, and then all the way up to, you know, six-bedroom, nice, nice properties on the water. Okay. And with all of that said, I believe in it when done right. Right. Yeah. And that's the key to every type Me of too. investing. Yeah. But to your point, everybody thinks this is what's what to get into. And right now it's hot. Yes. Last year, you were hurting if you had some Airbnbs. Ask me how I know. Because <laughs> when the pandemic shuts everything down and people can't come to your property, even if you and they are willing, because the government won't let them, mm -hmm. there's a lot of people that lost their properties last year too. Right. Mm -hmm. So there are economic factors beyond our control that go in cycles up and down that impact supply and demand, right? So last year, there was a decreased rental demand and people couldn't cover their costs because they bought unwisely mm -hmm. and some of them lost their properties. Yep. Um, all of a sudden, now it's kind of rebounded. Everybody wants to go on vacation again. And mm -hmm. so rental demand is up maybe artificially versus historically in certain areas. Mm -hmm. And maybe some people are renting in areas now because it's cheaper, but normally they'd rather be somewhere else that's more profitable and more popular. Mm -hmm. And so you've got to look at what are the artificial blips in supply and demand. And if I'm going to buy something, am I buying based on data only from the last year? That's exactly, an anomaly. Yes. Or am I looking at something that has consistent proven short-term rental income over multiple years. And if you're in a small area that has had, you know, it's a residential area, 
there's a huge risk that number one, legislation changes and bans the Airbnbs. And we're seeing that happen twice this week. I've seen articles about it and we're just on Wednesday. Mm. Um, and the other thing is that people don't want a vacation there anymore. They only did it for a while. So I'm only investing in areas that have been traditionally and historically for a long time, places that people vacation and where those towns need and want that tourism income because it's less likely that the demand's going to go down for the vacationers and it's less likely that there's legislative risk. So those two things are extremely important. Yeah. And let's be clear. I maybe wasn't clear yesterday. I'm a huge Airbnb fan. I think I've used Airbnbs. I will continue to use Airbnbs, but they are the kind of luxury waterfront. They have unique characteristics, right? Like yeah. I won't be able to buy the million dollar place in, in, in Florida but I could certainly rent it for a week or 10 days, yes. right? And enjoy that lifestyle for 10 days. Um, but yeah, I have seen too many, I've been doing this 20 years. And for whatever reason, there's always a hot thing that kind of spins up every three or four years. And right now it's Airbnb. And you're so right, it's the last year. And if you're, if you're buying a property based on the last 12 months, I want to tell you this much, supply and demand is undefeated. Yes. You were coming out of an environment where supply was artificially constrained, right? They were down. Now the demand comes into an artificially supplied constrained. Prices go up. People look, you're, you're, you're getting 30 day booked out of a 30 day month. Probably not normal, um, right. at least for the year. Um, there's just, it's just feels like it's inflating. And what happens is new investors see their friends or their social media friends, not even their real friends posting about, Hey, my Airbnb just made four grand. If it was a monthly rental, I'd have made 400. Some of that's just this last year. Right. But what I'm seeing again is lots of people are coming in They're They're buying what normally would be long-term rentals in, in solid B areas, but they don't have any of the reasons they don't have a beach. They don't have mountains. They don't have lakes. They don't have any of those things. And uh, you know, you, you put 30, 50, a hundred of those into one area, it's going to be a problem. Yes. So there's, there's so many things to unpack there, right? The first thing is the supply and the demand, as you mentioned, it's super important. If you're going into an area and I'm just going to pick on Nashville and Orlando for now, sure. both places that I've been in the last month and guess what? I vacationed there. Okay. So there is demand, mm -hmm. but when you have, you know, 50 to 500 condos in Orlando or Nashville, when the demand goes down, what do you have to do? You have to lower your prices to compete with hundreds of other rentals just like yours. And if you have to lower your prices and your numbers no longer work because you were analyzing at the top, you're going to be hurting. You're not going to make a profit, right? So that's one issue. When I look at Airbnbs, I look to be in, in areas that are undersupplied for vacationers versus the number of vacationers that have historically come and that are continuing to come. Because I don't wanna compete with everybody that's just like mine and have to every day watch the price and do dynamic pricing and lower it. I wanna buy where I'm steps to the ocean. I have an amazing mountain lake view where my competition can't touch it, where I don't have to adjust because I'm offering that unique value proposition that's better than what everybody else is offering. So that's one thing. But you have to know your market. You have to know the supply and the demand. Uh, do yourself a favor. Get a subscription to AirDNA.com. So you can see 
How many other properties are renting? What are they really collecting every year? Not just what, what their rental night says. And how many other properties just like the one you want are there? And what's the likelihood that it's gonna continue? The second thing that, ha that you have to be really, really careful about is, is exactly where you're buying. So too many people, Michael, they're looking in these neighborhoods. This is what you were mentioning, these mm -hmm. BC class neighborhoods. Yeah. And they know somebody that's doing an Airbnb, even though the neighborhood really doesn't allow it because mm -hmm. they're close to the beach or they're close to the mountain. They're 30 minute drive and they've got friends that are in that neighborhood that are doing really well. Well, as soon as people can't afford it to get to again, are they going to do the 30 minute drive in a neighborhood where they feel like they're in someone else's home? No, they're going to rent the place on the ocean or looking at the water where they can take their steps out without having to be in a car and feel the experience of the vacation. Not only are that, is that going to happen, but these neighborhoods are starting to pass rules that say, you can't short-term rental. This is a residential area. We don't want partying. We don't want crowds. And those people that buy those kind of homes at an inflated price, thinking they're going to get that rental income, they're the ones that are going to be hurting. They're the ones that are going to hurt because it's not going to continue. Yeah. Again, folks, I'm a huge Airbnb fan, but it's got to be the right stuff. Supply and demand is undefeated. Uh, there's a lot of people adding supply today in what I'll call B areas. And um, yes, you can do travel nurses and there, there are needs for furnished units, which is really what it can boil down to. But um, you're running bad numbers. You're, you're overpaying your debt structure. I mean, I don't know. I've never had one. So, but if your debt structure says you have to be rented 25 days to break even, that's probably not a good idea, right? Yeah, there's there's two things. So yes, if you have to if you have to rent out most of the rental season, however long that rental season is, in order to break even, you're going to be in trouble. If you're hoping that you get the shoulder weeks, you know, outside of the peak seasons for that market, mm -hmm. and you need those in order to profit, you're paying too much, right? Mm -hmm. You should be able to buy a property that and and tap out what you buy based on what you can afford, right? Mm -hmm. So if, there, if this single family house is $300,000 that you're looking at, you think you can make 60,000 based on one year of data, but you can only make $3,000 a month on that property as a regular rental by having a 12 month tenant in it, you shouldn't pay more than, than the 360 that'll allow you to make $36,000 a year. Right. That 1% rule, you know, or really close. If I cannot put a long-term renter in it, that's going to rent it one month at a time. If the legislation changes and keeps me from being able to rent it short term, mm -hmm. I'm not going to buy it unless I love it so much that I'm also going to spend, you know, a couple weeks there, but you're way overpaying if it won't profit as a long-term rental, just like it will as a short-term rental when you're buying in these kind of BC class neighborhoods. Yeah. That's very wise advice. I call it having a plan B, right? There are people right now where if they can't get 25 nights, they're going to lose the property. It's just yeah. not going to cash flow. So be careful. Right. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about is a lot of newbies coming in think Airbnb ownership is the easiest thing in the world. It's completely hands off. You want to talk about that? Nothing could be further from the truth. <laughs> Good. <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll tell you this too, you know, it comes back down to, we were talking about the, the, the risk adjusted returns in the last episode, which I recommend everybody goes, goes and listens to, but you also have to look at the return on your time, mm -hmm. right? When I think about the return on my time 
for anything that we would have to self-manage, it wouldn't be worth it for most properties, not at the prices that you're paying for today. So when you're evaluating your deals, you have to look at, do I really want to create a long-term business plan where it relies on me to deal with the cleaning people two, one to two times a week for most properties, to deal with the maintenance issues? Um, you know, we had issues with some of our luxury rentals in the last couple of weeks. We had a well pump go out. We had water that turned brown. We had an AC unit that had a problem. We had a fridge that went out. Well, guess what? When you're self-managing it, you got to drive to it. You got to fix it if you can't get somebody to come do it. Those things take a lot of your time. If you're going to put it with a property management company, I can tell you one thing right now. Property management companies have jacked out jacked up the percentage that they charge to handle these because there's so many more people coming. Yeah. So in Florida, for example, where I'm buying a place right now, property management is 20 to 25% of the gross income. But everybody that I know that comes to me and I coach students. So I have students looking at these. I buy, I have people on Facebook that message me without fail. They say, well, I'm going to self-manage it because then I can make, you know, $3,000 a month. Okay. How are you going to self-manage it? Well, I work full time. I've got kids. I've got my own rentals and I'm still going to self-manage it. Yeah. These things require you to respond to your guests immediately and have a solution in an hour. If you can't do that, you have no business self-managing it. And if you're not going to profit unless you self-manage, it's not a good investment for you because the return on your time is not worth it. If you're going to start a business of short-term rentals, you're going to create systems and processes and have a maintenance crew and have a cleaning crew and have somebody that is going to full-time respond to your guests and coordinate all of that, knock yourself out and start a business. But if you think you're going to buy an investment at the top based on one year of data, pay more than what you can afford to have a long-term tenant in it and try to do it yourself, you're going to regret it. You, you just are. So I, I recommend that you decide, do I want to be in this business or is it an investment? If you want to be in the business, start your business and be careful and don't overpay. Make sure you're in an area that has consistent rental history. Um, if you were going out to start a business with an SBA loan, they're not going to say, yeah, one year of data, we're giving you a business <laughs> loan. You've got to have history and you have to have a business plan and prove that you've, you can pay your loan no matter what comes. And you need to analyze these short-term rentals the same exact way. Um, and make sure that you're you're just buying in areas that make sense for a long-term business um, and that you take into consideration the value of your time very seriously. Yeah. In the end, folks, a huge Airbnb fans. Um, I just, I've been doing this long enough to know that I can see a bubble forming and newbies rushing in with unrealistic expectations. Maybe that's a way of saying it. Yes, very. And the other thing is be careful too in these towns going in as a, as a long-term rental because people think, well, I'll just turn them into, into long-term rentals. What happened in Nashville, just to end on this, in Nashville, when the pandemic hit, all these short-term rentals that were fully furnished mm -hmm. um, had to drastically drop their prices to get anybody to come in and try to rent them out to long-term tenants. Well, what did that do? It increased substantially the supply for all these other people that own long-term renters and their vacancies went through the roof because their renters were switching to all these Airbnbs that are fully furnished and everybody was having to slash their rents. Yep. So even the regular rental properties, the, the one year at a time type of rentals, singles and multi-units mm -hmm. had huge decreases in their rents, 
huge increases in their occupancy. It's because you have to factor in supply and demand of all of the housing there, not just the short term or long term before you go play. So supply and demand, if you only remember one thing from this, supply and demand is what you must understand. Be in areas that are undersupplied, that have much more demand, and that have a proven history of that, not just a year or two. Well said. Uh, and Anna, how can people follow you? Facebook, Anna REI Mom Kelly. Same on LinkedIn and here every week on One Rental at a Time with you. Thank you, Anna. Have a wonderful week. Or, yeah, Thanks. Week. You too. Bye.